Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Gospel Hobbies Podcast. I'm Austin Wagstaff, and today I would like to talk about No Empty Chairs, one of my favorite, or my single favorite podcast right now is Faith Matters Podcast. This podcast talks about all things faith-related, and they're not afraid to talk about some of the hard stuff. And today I was listening to episode 126, Lift in Love, a conversation with Allison Dayton. This episode was all about how we do as members of the church and how we can do better at fiercely loving our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. This experience this morning, listening to that episode of the podcast, was very spiritual for me. I feel like I learned so much, and I feel like I progressed so much in how I view the world, how I view and interact with my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, that I was really inspired to make this podcast, especially on the topic of the phrase, no empty chairs. And this actually was also sparked by an idea that was spoken briefly of in another episode of the Faith Matters podcast. I don't remember where. The lesson that I took from this was that we should change the orientation of no empty chairs, as in we need to make sure that there are no empty chairs in the celestial kingdom, make sure that all of you, and make sure and get back, to change the orientation from the celestial, where we have little knowledge or control, and to point that towards today. No empty chairs at the kitchen table. And in this podcast, I'm going to go through the origins of this phrase, what I see as unintended maligned consequences of this phrase, and an example of the kitchen table application. First, let's talk about the origins of the phrase, no empty chairs. From my research, it appears that it originated with President Ezra Taft Benson. In teachings of the presidents of the church, in the Ezra Taft Benson volume, it says, From the beginning of their marriage, Ezra and Flora Benson made their home and family their top priority. When their children were young, they began emphasizing that they wanted their family to have no empty chairs in the eternities. President Benson emphasized this same message during his service as a church leader. He said, God intended the family to be eternal. With all my soul, I testify to the truth of that declaration. May he bless us to strengthen our homes and the lives of each family member so that in due time we can report to our Heavenly Father in his celestial home that we are all there, father, mother, sister, brother, all who hold each other dear. Each chair is filled. We are all back home. Now, this is unambiguously delightful and true. I love how the focus is on the family, and I especially love the phrase, who hold each other dear. And this is the purest expression of of the phrase, no empty chairs. But sometimes if not frequently, the use of this phrase has a anxiety-inducing, sometimes even shame-inducing aspect. And I found an example from the March 2013 issue of The Ensign that might help explain this pretty well. The article starts saying, My grandfather wanted no empty chairs in his family. Because of my drug addiction, I had become an empty chair. This summarizes the article pretty well, and I'll read some excerpts. As this woman was about to take drugs for the first time, she said, My grandfather's face flashed across my mind just before I decided to put the deadly poison into my system. The next morning I found out 
he had died during the night. My grandfather, feeling that his death was imminent, had recorded a tape to be played at his funeral. In it, he told us that he wanted to see every single one of us on the other side of the veil. Always remember, he said, no empty chairs. As I listened, I felt sad and embarrassed about my inactivity in the church and about what I had done. But the shame I felt didn't stop me. That first time was all it took. I was hooked. I had become an instant slave to the drug. She continues later, I had become an empty chair. I felt as though Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ could never forgive me for what I'd done. Every time I would even consider trying to clean up my life during the moments when I could think clearly, self-loathing and discouragement took over. I would then give up on myself again. Fortunately, this story ended with a happy ending. She was able to, with much effort and with an abundance of grace from God, she was able to escape her drug addiction and make it back into into the fold and gain her temple recommend and everything back. She said, The lesson was hard, but I have so much joy in my life now. I know my Savior loves me. He has blessed me more abundantly than I could have imagined. I've been sealed in the temple to a wonderful man. As a family, we barely talk about my addiction anymore because we feel that I've become a different person from who I was then. The Savior did what he did because, like my grandfather, he does not want any empty chairs at this table. Later on in this podcast, we will examine how it is ultimately Jesus Christ who helps us have a seat at the celestial table. Right now, I want to pull from this story how it was so easy for this woman to feel shame and self-loathing and extreme disappointment because of the emphasis that was placed on no empty chairs at the celestial table. This is easy to feel for this woman and a lot of us when we slip off the covenant path, when we perceive ourselves to be empty chairs. If it was so hard for this woman, and if it is so hard for for us who fit the mold, slip off the path, and hopefully come back, if that is so hard for us, I'm left with the heavy impression on what it must feel like for someone who doesn't fit the traditional mold, who is who is LGBTQ+. I feel like I always say that wrong. LGBTQ+. I'm still learning, folks. When people don't fit the mold, when their place in the plan of salvation is unsure, the perceived feeling that they are going to create an empty chair is likely crippling beyond what I what I can imagine in my experience. And this has profoundly touched me as I've been thinking about this and listening to these podcasts in the last few days. And this is why I want to make this podcast. The story of this woman reminded me of things that I felt, but also reminded me of how profoundly my LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters and friends, how profoundly they, they must feel that. And how I think that an emphasis on no empty chairs at the kitchen table, we'll talk about that, no empty, no empty chairs at the kitchen table would help so much with that. And I have a story that I think emphasizes very nicely what it means to have no empty chairs at the kitchen table. This is from an article by Lisa Dahlgren, I think that's how you pronounce her name, from The Children's Friend in May of 1990. The story goes like this, or the first part of the story. It says, President Benson, oh, sorry, this is in the context of a primary lesson. So imagine a teacher saying this in front of a bunch of primary children. President Benson has a family saying about chairs. Have any of you heard of it? She asked, 
glancing at the extra seat. When no one held up their hand, she gave the answer herself. No empty chairs. What do you suppose President Benson means? When still no one responded, sister, the sister held up a picture of Jesus holding a lamb. Smiling, she continued, Could it have something to do with our lesson on Jesus and his lost sheep? A girl raised her hand hesitantly. Is the chair a missing person, like Jesus was missing a sheep? The sister nodded. That's it. Just as Jesus brought back his lost sheep, we are supposed to find our friends missing from primary and bring them back to their empty chairs. She placed her hand on the chair between the two primary kids. Now who is missing from our class? Who needs to come back and sit in this chair? I love this example. This example is perfect. The sister in primary is not talking about how how we need to worry about the the kid that wasn't in primary that day about if they were going to have a seat at the celestial table. It was focused on what the children could do right then. And the rest of the story, they went and found Charlie or whoever the kid was, and they invited him back to primary, and it was a really sweet story that you'd find in, in The Friend. I simply love how it's focused on today, and that's why I want to get to the idea that that I gleaned from, from these podcasts of no empty chairs at the kitchen table. We sometimes fret a lot about empty celestial chairs when we have no control over that situation. I like to think of it as God is the celestial event planner, and he wants everybody at the party, everybody at the banquet, and he has the guest list, and he knows everybody that he invited, and he knows how many chairs there are. There's enough chairs for everybody. And he is doing everything he can to make sure that everybody gets there. And he has the power to get everyone there. As a mere mortal, I have no control over the celestial party, other than my own conversation with the the host, as we could call him, with, with Christ. The only control that I have is over my relationship and my dialogue with the host of the party that is trying to help me attain my seat at the table. I have absolutely zero power to draw any of my family or friends to that celestial table. If that sounds really hopeless and resigned, I think it's because our focus might be on the wrong thing. There is a clear emphasis in, or what I think is, after looking at it, I think is a clear emphasis in the scriptures on our duty to to invite people and our duty to love them fiercely and to help them be at the kitchen table and how that will help Jesus Christ in his work to get us to the celestial banquet. I believe that we should focus more on no empty kitchen chairs because that's what we can control and that's what God commands us to do. I find this idea very freeing because focusing on making sure that all my family and friends are welcome and respected at my kitchen table right now here on earth is not only the kind, human, Christ-like, respectful thing to do, but from the perspective of the celestial banquet, my family and friends are the most likely to want to join us at the celestial banquet if they're welcome at the banquet here on earth. I'm going to refrain from going on a small tangent on my gospel according to Austin, on on how that even works, on what the celestial banquet even looks like. I think that we are far too harsh, far too heaven and hell 
mentality about it, but that's a conversation for another day. I want to spend the rest of the podcast by giving an example of a very personal and kind of uncomfortable example of what this means. I've been close with people who, after I lost touch with them, became transgender. But this week, for the first time, I met someone that not only that was transgender, but someone that I currently knew and didn't know that they were transgender. It was a very, very, what's the word? It was a very surprising experience. And I'm not going to say her name, obviously, because some of you might know who, who she is, and I don't want to call her out. But it was a it was very shocking and she was so gracious and she was she was so empathetic and and helping us to to feel comfortable when really we should have been the ones that were starting to help her feel comfortable but anyway she came over and said well this this uh this must be a big surprise (laughs) and and um and i apologized for kind of being look having visible surprise and shock on my face and Given her a look, a look down of, with my eyes saying, "What the heck are you wearing?" And I apologized for that, and she said, "Of, of course you would. Who wouldn't?" It was it was very surprising, and so she showed so much, so much graciousness towards us, and it was the wonderful beginning of, of me, figuring. And I'm not the center of this story, but in in my own perception, it was, it was the the beginning of, of me, figuring out this celestial table and kitchen table dynamic it could be really easy and a past version of me not too distant past version of me might have been extremely hesitant to accept her new identity i previous to that moment knew her decently well as as a man and at this party she told us oh yeah i'm I'm transgender and and i go by she her and my name is is this but a past version of me might have been too focused on the celestial seats at the celestial table and tried to not accept the her new identity based on my based on a perception that I had to affirm some sort of truth on what gender she truly was but the fact is that I just don't know what's going on with her and also I don't understand all of the plan of salvation it's God's job to get my my new transgender friend. It is God's job to to take care of her and to help her build the best life that she can this life and in the next and to hopefully help her have a seat at the celestial table. And I have no idea how that works. But what is my job is to help her have a seat at the kitchen table. Since I'm not the celestial event organizer and since I don't have and since I don't know how the celestial banquet works, God's asked me to make sure that my that my transgender friend has a spot at my dinner table right now in life. And obviously in case you're really um really literal like me, I'm not talking only <laughs> God really cares about about dinners here. <laughs> no, I'm not talking just about kitchen tables. I'm talking about making sure that she has a respectful place in my life, that I talk about her respectfully and that and that she feels loved and respected by me so that she would want to spend time with me, such as at my kitchen table. And this may seem really obvious, and that's why I don't feel like I'm I'm boasting or bragging about anything, because this is 
pretty simple stuff, I feel like. It's pretty simple, but it's surprisingly hard to learn. And I think that God has given us so many opportunities to reach out and to love and to and to be stretched. And when we are faced with something that makes us uncomfortable or something that we don't understand, it is my personal belief that God is testing us and giving us the opportunity to, when stretched in this way, to choose loving the person in front of us and leaving it up to God to do the hard work, the hard work that we don't know how to do. And it's hard enough to to be to be Christ-like and loving as it is. That that's our that's our job, and God will sort out all those things later. And I'm not trying to in, imply that that I think that God will 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 change my transgender friend and 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 uh, I should say I'm not. I don't want to imply that I know exactly how how God will will accommodate and and change my transgender friend because obviously you. He will help all of us change if we want to, but um, I'm not trying to imply that that I know at all how God does that, or even if He does that with our transgender friends. I just don't know. That's not something that He's revealed explicitly, so I'm not going to pretend that I know that. I think I've started to turn into a broken record, so I hope that example made sense where instead of worrying about the celestial ramifications of my friend's choice and about how I respond, I found a lot of peace and a lot of love as I focused on on the immediate and also celestial, since love is celestial, love is eternal, charity never faileth, as I focused on the loving right then and there. Anyways, I think it's awesome to keep using the term no empty chairs. I think, however, to sum all of this up, that we would do all of ourselves a big favor if we focused more on on helping our family, friends, children, coworkers, whatever, whoever it is, help them understand that the most important chair that we want them sitting at is at the kitchen table right with us today. Anyways, hope that didn't come off as preachy. I had a really good time making this podcast. Um, and I've already learned a lot, so hopefully we can explore more and more things together, and and I hope you feel respected and maybe even a little bit challenged. That's good, too. Anyways, this is Austin Wagstaff with Gospel Hobbies, and I will see you next time.